theyeshiva.net. Yutshvat is the yard site of the six Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Rebbe Rayatz, Rebbe Yosef Yitzchak. You've heard of him? Well, now you've heard of him. You've heard of him before. The six Lubavitcher Rebbe's yard site is Yutshvat. And the day that his son-in-law, the Rebbe, assumed leadership of Chabad, the same day, one year later. His father-in-law, yeah, his shver. Yeah, the Rayatz was his shver. And that same day he assumed, so that's Yud Shvat. And we're learning here, Maimer, Basi Lagane, you were here last week? You heard it? Okay, so we're learning the Maimer, Basi Lagane, that as I said last week, the Rebbe Rayatz, the Baal Hayart site of Yud Shvat, gave out for the day, which actually turned out to be his Yomist Alkos. And uh, each year on Yud Shvat, his Mamala Mokim, his successor, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, would say a Maimer on the same Posik, and this is from the year Tovshin Yud Tes, 1959 Yud Shvat. So this is, uh, this is the Maimer we began in last year, Bossi Lagani Tovshin Yud Tes. This chair is make yourself comfortable, yeah? Verstandig? Okay. So we're up to page Yud Beis, yeah? In the Kuntras, this Kuntrasim, we're up to page Yud Beis. Yeah. I want to thank, they sent me the Kuntrasim from New York. So we are up to Yud Beis, a little before Siv Dalit. Let me just sum up just the main point, not the whole thing, but just one of the main points that we finished with last week. Uh, it's brought in Sifri Kabbalah that, uh, that the mitzvahs are called amudim. They're called pillars. Tanya explains that they connect the highest to the lowest, which is the function of a pillar to connect the roof and the ground, and turning it into one structure. What the mitzvahs do is, the mitzvahs are ratzen ha'alyen, they come from Hashem's will, as it says, Rebbe Nechunya ben Akonis says in his tefillah, that Keser has 620 pillars of light, each mitzvah of the 620 mitzvahs, 613 min and 7 rabbinic, are a pillar essentially, an amid that brings down the Ratzana Elyon, the innermost will of Hashem, into this world. Because every single mitzvah, almost every single mitzvah, basically has a physical expression, a manifestation. Either it's on a physical object, or it's a physical person, or it's um, connected to physical space and physical time and physical items. But what is it really? It's essentially Hashem's innermost Ratzan and will. So that's why it's called Amudim, Connecting the highest to the lowest. So it's Hashem's will being manifested, and it gives a person the opportunity to be able to connect to Hashem's Ratzim. Because generally speaking, Hashem is infinite and non can't be grasped. So his Ratzim also can't be grasped. The Chiddush of Torah Mitzvah says that he took an infinite Ratzim and he articulated it, he compressed it, he was Mitzamtzimit, so to speak. He compressed it within halacha, within Torah mitzvahs, that allows every soul and every person to be able to implement it in thoughts, in words, in actions, to be able to understand it, to be able to relate to it. So each mitzvah is called an omid, it's a pillar, 
that connects the highest, the roof, all the way down. And the Maimir, he explains that the Krasham of the Mishkan, the beams of the Mishkan, had a similar function. They held up the Mishkan. He says the Krasham are similar to mitzvahs. The beams are similar to mitzvahs. But the difference is, when the Tanya speaks about the marshal of a pillar, in the marshal he says the pillars are standing on the ground and they reach the roof. And in the Nimshal he says the mitzvahs start off in heaven on the top and they come down. And we understand the difference. Because, as the Pardis explains, there's a difference between a foundation here and a foundation there. In this world, the foundation is always on the bottom. In the higher world, the foundation is always on the top. When we think of a tree... The foundation of the tree, the roots of the tree are below the tree, below the earth. Foundations of our home are under the house. The taller the house is, the stronger the foundation. And the stronger you have to, the, lo- the, the deeper you have to go. You have to go down deeper, you have to go down lower. And the lower you go, the more solid and more powerful the foundation. If you have a superficial, shallow foundation, it can hold up something, but it can't hold up the real structure. The great trees, splendid trees, strong trees need deeper roots. The roots have to be deeper and more powerful and more solid. So in our world, the foundation, the Yisoy, that holds up the structure above it, whether it's a tree, whether it's a home, whatever the metaphor is, is always on the bottom. The Yisoy is Lamat. In spirituality, Ruchniyas, in the higher world, it's the exact opposite. The Yisoy is Lamayla. Think about the root upward and the branches coming down. Would be like the Neshama, right? The branch of the soul comes down here. The higher part of the Neshama, the root of the Neshama, is in a higher place. And the higher it is, the more Yisoyed it is. So that's why when he speaks about the mitzvahs, he speaks about, it starts over there, that's where the Yisoyed is, and then it comes down. When he speaks about Amud and pillars, it's the other way around. It starts down here, and it goes up. What's the reason for this? What's the reason that the physical world is so different than the spiritual world? If the physical world is a mirror of the spiritual world, why is it opposite? That in the spiritual world, the Yisoyed is Lamayla. And the binyan is lamata. The foundation is higher because what does higher mean? Higher means it's more connected to the source. And that's what a foundation is. And in this world, the way it's reflected is the exact opposite. Hashem could have created the mechanism of the world and the laws of engineering and construction and generally the world of nature in a way that the yisoi, the foundation, should be lamayla, also higher than the structure which should be lamata. So for this, the Maimir explained that this has to do with a fundamental idea that's expressed in many areas. And one of the areas in which it's expressed is one of the Yisoides that the Balatanya, the Alter Rebbe, brings out in Tanya, in Igeris HaKadosh, Sum and Chav. A Chiddush, a big Chiddush about how you have to understand the Yesha Nivra. The Yesha Nivra means the ego of every created being. At first glance, it seems that the lowest part the part of the person or of existence that is divorced from godliness is the part that feels independent. It doesn't feel a source. That's the part that's completely divorced from Hashem. If we would feel that we come from a source, if we would all feel that we were reflections of a higher reality, then there wouldn't be able to be greed and selfishness and narcissism and and yeshus, egotism. The source of egotism is the sense of detachment. I'm not attached to anything. In my consciousness, I'm completely independent. I don't feel that I have a source. Logically, I may reach to a, I may reach a conclusion that I have to come from somewhere, that everything has to come from somewhere. 
But that's a logical calculation. There's debates about it. You can argue this way, you can argue that way. And even if logic ultimately dictates a certain truth, but it's not instinctive, it's not intuitive, it's not inherent in my consciousness. In the consciousness of every physical creature and existence, beginning with a human being, continuing to any other nivra, any other existed being, is a sense of yeshus. What's yeshus? Yeshus is, I am. Where do I come from? I was, as far as I'm concerned in terms of my feelings, I was always here. I don't feel that I have what we call in English an antecedent, or in the Lashon of Tanya, or in Lashon of Chira, an ilah, a siba, a cause. I don't feel that I'm, I'm a manifestation of a purpose, of a meaning that something else or someone else had. At first glance, that feeling is the greatest enemy to all religion. It's the greatest enemy of all spirituality, which, by the way, is why so many people struggle with the tension between self-confidence and religious commitment. Because very often, they seem, they could seem completely at odds. Meaning, religious commitment is all about what you would call surrender, submission. I am not, (laughs) I am not, to be or not to be, that is the question. So we'll put it, to be or to be not, that is the question. And religious commitment is about to be not, to recognize my, my nothingness, to recognize at least my dependency, to recognize at least that you know, my, my, my existence is not so absolute, it's not so powerful. And the more one has that, the more sensitive, the more spiritual, the more selfless, the less egotistical, the more divine, the more heavenly, etc. And very often there's a tension between that and Self-confidence, you know, where does self-confidence come in? Where does the self come in? And it would seem that ultimate vacus with Hashem means ultimate obliteration of self. And that's a, that's a truism that's discussed in so many, in so many sources. And the fact that this world is, 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 could be so atheistic. Atheistic means you don't feel you have any source. And you could be a self-respecting human being and deny that there's a source comes from the ultimate concealment of Hashem, from the ultimate symptom. That's all, that's all the way we would think it is. The way we think it is. And the truth is, it says this in many places, including by the Alter Rebbe himself. But in Igeris HaKadosh Simen Chav, he was a few days before his passing, actually, as I mentioned. He was Megala Anuvart, a new idea. And what's the new idea? That it's really the opposite. And this is so counter... Uh, this is so counterintuitive. It's a tremendous, tremendous chiddush. The truth is one could sit on this for many months, many years to explain this and its ramifications. How do I sum it up in two minutes, literally? It's the chiddush that it's the, really the other way around. That the feeling that the yesh nivra, the sense of egotism, the sense of radical independence, the sense of, of, of I, I, I exist, that inner sense of I is actually a result of the greatest revelation of the divine. Was haste? Doesn't that, that seems to smack, to be opposite of everything we usually talk about. And the answer to this is, where did this feeling come from? Where did this radical sense of ego come from? That I am and there's nothing that precedes me in my own experience, even if it's not true. That comes actually from a place that's deeper than all the spiritual worlds. All the spiritual universes come from Hashem's light, Hashem's air. 
the guf and the yesha nivra come from Hashem's atzmos, his essence, so to speak. Pemela. The guf. The guf. The chiddush is the guf, not the neshama. In this sense, the guf is deeper than the neshama. In this sense, the guf is deeper than the neshama. Ah. Neshamas, yeah. Neshamas is chelikalikamimal, etc. The neshama is a, is a spiritual entity. As a spiritual entity, it expresses its source, like all spiritual entities. In fact, that's what ruchnius means. When you say, I have a ruchnius dika feeling, what does it mean? You say, this person is a ruchnius dika person, what does it mean? What's pshat pichlaladov a ruchni, something spiritual? What's, what's the ruchni mean? What is, what is the definition of ruchni? One of the definitions of ruchni is that it feels its connectivity with everything else, with reality, with God. It feels connected. It feels that there's something higher. It yearns for something higher. What's the definition of gashmi? I am. I am. Period. Complete. I am. That's it. I don't have to justify a purpose. I don't have to fit into a context. I'm not here for a reason. It's like real existentialism. I am. The I ultimately is the source of the meaning. The meaning is not the source of the I. Does meaning precede existence or does existence precede meaning? Ruchnius means meaning precedes existence. Existence is, a, is in the context of meaning. Gashmi says, I don't know what you're talking about. Existence precedes everything. I create meaning from my existence. Where does this come from? This can't come from Ur. The Ur of Hashem reflects its source. So that which comes from the Hashem's Ur also reflects its source. Because what you have, you can give to others. Atzmos, Hashem's Atzmos, existence precedes meaning. His Metzius comes from Himself. There's no antecedent antecedent to Hashem. There's no Ilavisibah that brings Him into existence. His Metzius comes from Atzmosai. His Atzmos, his core is the Sibah for himself. There's no other Sibah. Because the Yesh Hanivra, the Gashmi, was created directly from Atzmos, it's a manifestation of the core, we inherited that same quality, that same characteristic. What's that characteristic? That characteristic is I have no source. So even though the reason I think I have no source is not because I feel that I'm rooted in God's essence. The reason I feel that I don't have no source is because actually God's essence is concealed, because I don't feel. And therefore, it's really a lie. But that's only from a superficial perspective. From a deeper perspective, the very experience of your utter autonomy and self-dependence is really rooted in the divine ego. My core eye is a mirror of the divine core eye. And since Hashem's eye really doesn't have a cause, it's not only he thinks he doesn't have a cause, it really doesn't have a cause. And Atmos is manifested where? In the yesh of the Geshem. So therefore the yesh down there also feels the same exact feeling. It feels that it doesn't have a core. It doesn't have a cause. So what's the ultimate healing of the world when he says what Mashiach is going to do is not going to change the Geshem. He's go- what's going to be revealed is the Emes. That what we think is the greatest opposition to the divine is really the greatest manifestation of the divine. What we call Yesh is really not Yesh at all. It's the ultimate Bittl. What we see as the most detached part of Hashem is really the part that reflects Hashem most. So the innermost, the inner, so the innermost level of, the deepest level of Avedis Hashem 
ultimately doesn't require the obliteration of self, the sacrifice of self, the abnegation of self. On the contrary, it's really the deepest affirmation of the self. And which part of the self? The physical brute part of the self, which always seemed like the most detached place from Judaism and holiness. At, at first glance, it could seem that way. It can even be that way, but that's really chitzonius. On a pneumiastic level, the ultimate truth, when Mashiach comes, the ultimate truth is going to be this gala. What's going to be revealed is that that part which we thought is the most separate part, is the most detached part, is really the holiest part. It's the most divine part. And therefore, even in that part, where the core I exists, which seems to create the greatest tension, really, instead of creating the greatest tension, that's where the greatest unity could come out. As a result of that, in this world, the Yisoyed is on the bottom. The Yisoyed is on the bottom, the Yisoyed is not on the top. Because of this, in this world, the foundation is on the bottom, not on the top. That's the conclusion of the explanation. Let's see inside, in Yud Beis. Four lines from the top. That's why, in many ways, you could say that this world is the Yisoy, the foundation, upon which all of the other worlds were built. Like he said before, that the objective of creation was Nesava Kadesh Baruch Where is going to be the ultimate dira for Hashem, the ultimate home, in this physical world, in the Yeshagashmi? In the future, it's going to be revealed, but the reason it's going to be revealed in the future is because now it's also that way. Why is it in the Yeshagashmi? Because in the Yeshagashmi, no, it's Seifam Betchilosam. This is really the Yesoi, this is really the foundation. The lower you go, when you go from Ruchnius to Gashmi, it looks like you're going lower. Really, you're going much higher. You're graduating from Oir into Atmos. So the fact that in this feeling we have the sense of absolute separation, absolute autonomy, and this I, and this I seems to be the core of selfishness, greed, war, narcissism, uh, uh, ego, all issues of ego, which ego is the greatest enemy of religion. That's if you don't understand what it is really, what it really is, what it really is, that core of self, that sense of I, what is it really? It's a manifestation of the ultimate divine I, which has no cause. So the deepest core of the human eye, in a way, is his or her closest place. It's the deepest place where they touch Hashem himself, where the Hashem's essence comes out. So that's the ultimate healing of the world. You don't have to run away from the yesh. On the contrary, in the yesh, you could find something that you will not find in Ruchnius. You will not find, you will not find in Eir. That carries that ultimate truth, that inner sense of self, carries its ultimate truth. The lie is when we divorce the two. When my eye and Hashem's eye are divorced, they're two separate realities, that's the lie. But that's a cover-up of the true eye. The real sense of eye, the reason I sense it, is because it's a manifestation of Hashem's essence. And His eye really has no cause. It really has no source. It really has nothing that precedes it. Nothing precedes it. Are the words of the Balatanya. His Mitzias doesn't come from a higher source that brought him into being. His Mitzias comes from his Atzmus. So the Yesh Hagashmi, which is a reflection of the Yesh, of the Yesh Amiti, of the true Yesh, also has that same Hergish. That what? Really, it's not a Metzius. 
<laughs> really, it's not, and yet it feels like the ultimate Metzius. Why? Because it's rooted in that ultimate Metzius. So therefore, the Dira Betachtoinim is going to be in this world. So the lower you go, in many ways, you come to a more foundational place. You come to a truer place. The more Geshem, the more Yesh you go into, the more you're entering into the foundation of everything. Because Atzmos, the core, is the foundation of everything. That's what he's saying. Mashenken Lamaila, when you go up, the ultimate objective is not in the higher worlds. They are only a ray. They're a light. They're the light of Hashem. They're very divine, but they're a reflection. They come from Ur. They're Ha'ara. The purpose of all the Olam Yonim is only that it should be able to be the lowest world. They're like the ladder that you have to go down in order to get to the bottom. So you need the Olam Yonim to be able to prepare the background for the Olam Atachtim. That's their Kavana. So the higher you go in oir, a higher oir is higher because it reflects more. You have the sun, the, the, the way the light is in the sun, the way the light is outside of the sun, the way the light travels very far, and the way the light gets restricted in a very, very small place. And over there you have only a little light. So the higher you go, the more foundation. So Lamaila, the higher you go, the closer you get to the Yisoid. So Lamaila, the pillars, the Yisoid, the foundation begins above. And the lower you go, the further you go away from the foundation. On Lamata, in this world, it's the exact opposite. Lamata, the lower you go, the more you get to the world of foundation. The more you get to the Yisoy, the more you get to the fundamental. In other words, the more Yesh, the, the more Yesh, the more Gashmi, really you're getting closer and closer and closer to the source. Even on one level it's low. And the reason we call it low is because it's low. It's, it's really low. It, it lacks that sensitivity. The more it has sensitivity, the higher it is, the more ruchnius it is. The, the, the more remote from that sensitivity, the more remote from ruchnius. But bepnimius in the MS, the lower you go, the further you go down, the more you're getting to a place of yisoid, of foundation, upon which the whole structure is built. Because all of the worlds are built on the yisoid of this world, because this world is the ultimate tachlis. That's like the foundation. It carries them all, because they are all ultimately tuffled to it. They all depend Depend on it. They're all here for this world. This world is going to be the Diri B'tachtoinim. Why is this world going to be the Diri B'tachtoinim? Because here you have the Diri B'tachtoinim, the home for Hashem's Atmos itself, when the Yesh HaGashmi will be revealed to be really nothing but a manifestation of the Yesh HaMiti, the ultimate Yesh. To indulge in your Yesh today probably is not the best advice for somebody. <laughs> <laughs> it's it the revelation of this truth will be after La'asid Lavi Mashiach comes. But what's going to be then revealed is only revealed then because it's the truth now too. The fact that it's the truth now means that it has a lot of application to now. One of the applications is a certain gishmak and a certain depth and an appreciation for a person who deals with the world of Gashmis. We are very much entrenched and involved in the physical life, and physical world, in nurturing the body, in nurturing the world around you, every person according to who they are and where they are. 
And very often a person may think that's the ultimate distraction, it's the ultimate disturbance, it's the ultimate concealment, it's the ultimate darkness. Get me out of this place. Take me to more heavenly things. What we're learning here is no. Although at the surface, the gashmi, the physical, may seem so much more remote than the ruchni, but on a deeper level, in the gashmi, there's a connection with Hashem that exists that is even deeper than the ruchni. So that's a very, an application even today. Most mitzvahs have to do with the physical world, as we learned. So we learned that the physical is just, you know, it's just a hechitimtzi. You have to do a mitzvah, so you're using the physical. But it's really the main thing of the mitzvah is the kavana of the mitzvah, the machshava of the mitzvah, the hergish of the mitzvah. What we're learning here is no, that the actual, doing the mitzvah in the physical itself has within it a truth that's even deeper than all of the spiritual experiences. A third major application is the way we look at the self, the way we look at the body. Very often people look at the self, the core self and at the body, at best as something divorced from religion. You know, you have to take care of it. At worst, mamish an enemy. Depends the culture you grew up in. And here we're learning that actually, no. That ba'imikainyin, the guf, the, the guf carries within it the deepest truths. I'm not going to get into this, but in today, in the world of psychology, uh, all cutting-edge uh, therapy, especially with trauma, is focused on the body. The idea that the body contains everything and the body is where you're going to find everything and the body is where all truth, uh, all truth rests in. The reason that is, is also connected to this. Ah. Huh? Body keeps the score. That's the, the right. What the, uh, that's the name of uh, from from Boston, yeah. The body keeps the score, and 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 similar type of literature, and in the body, that's where you discover everything. There's no distortions there, like the mind which distorts the psyche which distorts. How, how does this fit with? Because talks about you have to wage a war with your it's horror and it's a good question. We always speak about you have to wage a war against your yesh and you have to be mavatal your yesh and so forth. You have to be mavatal the lie of the yesh, not the emes of the yesh. You understand what I'm saying? You have to be mavatal the lie of the yesh. When the yesh screams that it's divorced from godliness, from Hashem, that you have to be mavatal. That's what bitl hayesh is. It's bitl of, of the fake yesh of the fake yesh, of the delusional yesh. But that bitl ultimately, in the ultimate, in the ultimate journey and destination, doesn't have to be mevatel the yesh. On the contrary, the ultimate truth of the yesh is nothing but a manifestation, a reflection, an expression, or better, an embodiment, not an expression, but an embodiment, because it's actually not an expression, it's not oir, it's atzmos, it's an embodiment of the yesh amiti. Would you, would you say that this was why we're so focused on the mitzvah, not necessarily the kabbalah, the learning, the just do the mitzvah? It's because of the, the physical act. The Certainly, no question. There's an expression that when the Alter Rebbe wrote this letter, this, this idea, so uh, his Talmidim uh, got a completely new derech heretz for mitzvahs maiseus. The focus is, of course, kavana of the mitzvah is extremely important. 
especially the Shittim Mitzvah Shrikhis Kavana. And of course, the feelings that are associated with it, and the preparations, and the depth, and the emotion. It says, Mitzvah Kabloi Kavana Kaguf Boloi Neshama. But ultimately, we see in Mitzvahs, a person could sit down by the Seder and meditate on freedom, emancipation, Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, for three and a half hours. Breathe in and breathe out and meditate and experience emotional emancipation, right? But they didn't take that stale matzah into their mouth. <laughs> they just didn't do it. Another guy, yeah, he hates the matzah, he hates the seder, he hates the family. It's the worst time of the year. But he sat down and he ate a kazais matzah. <laughs> he connected to Atzma Saint Saif Baruch when he didn't. Why? And the answer, the same is true with every other mitzvah. And the answer is because the Geshem itself, the physical itself, even without the Kavana, that in a way has something that's even deeper than the Kavana. Not to take away from the Milas of Kavana and consciousness and spirituality. That's the Mila of Ur. And this is the Mila of the Guv, the Mila of Etzim. So there's many applications in this. And one of the also very profound issues, as I mentioned, has to do with uh, how we view the ultimate sense of, of, of I. In the ultimate scheme of things, the eye is not a curse. The eye is a blessing. If you understand what the real eye is, if you look at the eye superficially, then the eye could be a source of, of, of detachment, a source of selfishness, a source of separation. And that you have to work on. And sometimes you have to wage a war. Sometimes it's a, it's a tough battle. But if you can remove the layers that block the true core the true core of the eye, that eye in itself is the greatest seat of truth. And that's why in this world the foundation is dafke below. The system changes the way it's in the higher world. In the higher world, the higher you go, the more you get close to truth. And in this world, the lower you go, the more you get close to truth. Tziv Dalet. <laughs> this itself has to be understood. Why taka did Hashem make that the Yesh HaNivra should somehow be the place where the Yesh HaMiti is? Yesh HaMiti means the true Yesh, the true I, the true, the true self, which is Hashem. Yesh HaNivra is the eye of the created being, which doesn't feel that it's part of the real Yesh. On the contrary. But the real Yesh HaNivr is really just the Yesh HaMiti. It's the way the Yesh HaMiti comes out in the physical world. So that means in the Gashmi itself, you have Hashem himself, Mamrish. That's what it is. That's what it is. My sense of I exist, what is it? It's Hashem's I exist. It's Hashem's core of existence. Right. But why is it Hakeh that way? There's a reason Ruchnius is called Elyonim, Gashmis is called Tachtoinim. Because they're higher. What do we mean higher? They're closer, they're more, they're more sensitive to truth. They feel Hashem more. Why is it Taka that he made this paradox? That Tafka in the Gashmi, in the Yesh Hanivra, which seems so divorced and so lowly, and it's called lowly. It's not called lowly by mistake. It's called tachtoinim because there's no ur there. There's no hergish there. There's no hergish or ruchne. That's why Gashmis was always seen as the great enemy of, of, of spirituality. So why is it taka that it comes out after the yeshanivra? 
Well, it's on the same mahalach, yeah. You can ask, ask. Everybody could feel free to ask. Silent that it's only, we're saying it's only that it should also be good. Yeah. Yeah. It should also be ruchnes. Yeah. 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 You're saying the yesoid is dafka lamata, not lamayla. That in this world the yesoid is where you go lower, not where you go higher. This will be explained based on three metaphors that are explained by Admurem Tsoi. This is the middle Rebbe. He was the son of the Balatanya, the son of the Alter Rebbe, Rebbe Doiv Ber, second Rebbe of Chabad. And when the Tzemach Tzedek was his son-in-law, the third Rebbe, so they called the Alter Rebbe the Alter Rebbe and him the middle Rebbe, the middle one, and the Tzemach Tzedek. So he's called Admurem Tsoi, the middle Rebbe. He has a Sefer Shari Oireh. I'm Purim, Chanukah, I'm Purim. Over there he says, Gimel, Meshalem, Be'inyin, Kola, Gavoya, Gavoya, Be'yoser, Yoyre, De'meslabesh, Mezgala, Be'namuch, Namuch, Yoyser. He says that there's a principle in life, whatever is higher, will come down and be expressed in that which is lower. Kola, Gavoya, Gavoya, Be'yoser, Yoyre, Lamata, Mata, Be'yoser. That which is not too high, will not be able to reach too low. That which is higher, will be able to reach lower, and that which is even higher will yet be able to reach even lower. So the sign that something is very high, you will not know from how high it is. You will know from how low it reaches. That's where you will see it. The distinction between something that is gavoya, that is lofty, that is high, and something that is very high, is you have to look (laughs) how low it is. That which is high will reach a low place. But that which is higher can reach yet lower. So you have a paradox. And the paradox is that if you want to identify the highest, you will only identify it in one place to see if it reaches the lowest. That is what the Mittler Rebbe teaches. And it's a fundamental idea in, in, in Teres HaBal Shem Tev, especially in Chabad Chassidus. And he explains this with three parables, three mashalim, three metaphors. Mashallah Aleph, just before we start with the Mashalim, just to illustrate this, and it's going to be it's going to be connected to one of the Mashalims. If you want to know the greatest teacher, you always look who is, you always look at the most difficult child in the class. That's where you'll see the difference between good, very good. Great and really great. You always look the lowest place. You want to understand and appreciate the greatness of a parent? You look at the child who is extremely, extremely challenging. Extremely, extremely difficult. And there you will see a good parent. Well, you'll also see a bad parent. You'll see a good parent. You'll see a wonderful parent. You'll see a great parent. And you'll see an extraordinary parent. The Gavoya Gavoya B'yoyser will always be able to reach to a place that is far more distant and far lower than the one who is not so gavaya. So paradoxically, in order to identify him, you have to go to the place that is much further than him. So the Bitlerev brings three mashal. Mashal Aleph, Avukagdayla. Avukagdayla means a huge, um, a huge torch, a huge like fire, a huge, let's call it a bonfire today. A huge avuk. 
Its light is great, and it illuminates distances, far distances. If you have a small fire, you can, elim- you can um, illuminate, you can brighten up your closest surrounding. But if you want to bring light to a very distant place, the avuka, the fire, must be much larger. Vim kein movon. Asher bechdeshi ye nikir maylas avuka gdoila. Vuk in Yiddish. Vuk krikt men areisir ilui. Ay maylas aneir vavuka ketanav makam arachik davka. Shom davka nezgalab chines hagavoya asher baavuka. Where are you going to recognize the difference between the two fires? Near the fire, they're both fires. They're hot. You can roast hot dogs or roast marshmallows, get warmed up in a cold night, or give yourself some light in a dark night. We're going to see the difference between a small fire, a big fire, a great fire, and an awesome fire. Not here. You've got to go far, far away from the avuka. And that's where the further you go, the more you could see the difference that the great avuka, the great fire, will reach. Its sparks, its rays will reach so far. An important clarification. The light that reaches far distances from the great fire is very small, very little, because it's far away. If you light a candle right there, an original candle, it will cast more light than the light of the huge bonfire that is miles away. But in this little tiny glimmer of light, you see the true power of the avuka. So you would say, where do you see the impact of great fire? You should see it in a great fire. No, that will not see it. You will see it in the tiny little glimmer of light that traveled miles and miles and miles away. But why did it reach there? It reached there because it's rooted in the source of an avuka. So it's in the little tiny light where you're going to see power much more than in an explosion of light, even though it's a little, little tiny light. And if you would light a candle right there, a little candle, you would get even more light. But it's not a chiddish because the candle is right there. To be able to get this light from so far where there's no light, this is a complete dark place, you have to have a big avuka. A star. Huh? A star. A star. Star. A star, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 1,200, uh, 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 4 billion light years away, right? 4 billion light years away. And what do we get from the star? Mamish, a tiny, tiny little light. To the point that we say, yeah, it must be nothing. You know, when you look up to the sky, yeah, that star is nothing. The sun is a psachash of a guy. It's the exact opposite. That star is far greater than the sun on all levels. But because, because it's so distant, it's chiddush is that the light could come in. As we know, in some situations, the light reaches here after the star is gone. <laughs> the star has already exploded. It's gone. But it takes so many years for the light to arrive that by the time the light is here, there's no star anymore, there's no source. But that's what represents what the avuka is. So what does this really mean? This is, of course, only a mushal. We're trying to bring out a nimshan. And that is that sometimes the great, great light, you will not see in great, great light. You're going to see in very, very little light. But where did it reach? It reached a place that is inexplicable. It's so distant, light can't get there. But that avuka could get there. That's where you're going to see, you're going to appreciate it. Even though it's not going to be a big light here. But it's this little light that's going to capture the true depth of the avuka. That's marshal number one. 
Marshal number two. Marshal Habez, Mechavis Malaya Mayim. A barrel, a pitcher filled with water. Or a sage filled with wisdom. When you have a barrel that's filled halfway with water or filled to the top, it's not going to spill over. But when it's when it's filled with water, it doesn't stop, it's going to spill over. It's in the spillover where you can recognize the abundance of water. The water that goes out, that overflows, is insignificant because it's not retained. So it's like hefker. And in quantity, it's so much less than the water in the in the barrel. But it's from that water where you could recognize the the vibrancy, the intense flow of the water, that this is an overflowing barrel. Again, in the barrel itself, that's where you have the most important water. That's the water you want to retain. But over there you won't be able to recognize the intensity, the abundance of the barrel, of, of the water. It's only in the miut, in the small quantity of water that overflows, that doesn't seem insignificant. But that becomes a reflection of the abundance of water in the picture. The same is true when you say a a person, a sage, who's filled with chachma. Where do you see it? You see it in the overflow. It's in the overflow. Noivlis is that which drips down, the trickle from chachma. It's in the mundane talk of the Talmud Chachem where you see the real Talmud Chachem. The Gemara says in Sukkah, Because when somebody is filled with wisdom, filled with chachma, sagist and sagist and sagist, and where are you going to see it? The sheer itself, a lot of people could give. But, but the overflow, the overflow, which doesn't seem to capture the wisdom itself, but the reason there's so much overflow is because internally there's so much substance, there's so much. It's in the sichus chulen, it's in the side remarks, it's in, it's in the mundane remarks, it's in the small talk, it's in the stories in the mishalim, where you could see that this is a person who has tremendous, tremendous depth. Again, the depth will come out in the overflow, like the avukas fire is going to come out in the small fire that goes very, very far. The fact that the person of such depth can explain a concept that a six-year-old can understand, so that which is being conveyed to the six-year-old seems to be small talk. It's not significant. That's true. But the fact that it can reach that place means that it's coming from a sage, from somebody who, who has it much, much more. Somebody who really gets it can explain it to a six-year-old. Somebody who doesn't get it, they can explain it to people who, who, who are, live in that category because it doesn't have to travel so far. So we're going to see again the Oymekah Chachma in the Sichas Chulim. The Gemara says, The Mishnah says, Reb Meir died, there were no people to give Mishalim anymore. Why? Because Reb Meir's Mishalim, we're Reb Meir's Mishalim. It's not Stam. He needs a story, like, he needs a story, he needs a joke, he needs a marshal. The real muscle is really only the, the great the, 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 
the real mushal we're learning in the Maimah Viadaita, the real mushal is the mushal that captures the depth of the nimshal. And in order to be able to give a mushal, you have to understand it much better. You know, you see it constantly. People who, who get the concept, can, if they understand it, they can share it over, but always in the same words. The person who gets the core of it, he can transport it to a new reality and present it in a way that you wouldn't even recognize the original source. Not because he's further from the source, because he's much closer to the source. It's an expression in, I think from the Arizal, one of the Mekabalim, Reb Chutzpis Hamaturgamen. Reb Chutzpis Hamaturgamen is one of the Asar Rege Malchus. To be able to be a Maturgamen, you have to have Chutzpah. Chutzpah. A real Maturgamen. What's a Maturgamen? Maturgamen doesn't mean you translate from Yiddish to English or Hebrew to English. Maturgamen means you transport it into a different world. And everybody says, ooh, you violated the concept. This is, this is, this is, you, you contaminated the source. So some people do. When they bring it into a new world, they contaminate the source because they're not really connected to the source. So they have to stick to the environment. They have to stick to Anshay Shlomaini. They have to stick to Mishaluni. But somebody who gets the etzem, he could talk about it in ways that you wouldn't even know the connection to the source because it comes from a deeper place. So where do you see the, where do you see that? You see it in a much further environment. Like the avuka, like the chavis, like the, like the chachma le chachma. Yeah? The marshal, uh, from here, not the marshal uh, of the ability to make a marshal. It's, it's, it's the nervous chachma. It's the sikhaskut. But, is it the same? Yeah, yeah. And in Chesidus it explains the concept of Sichas Chulun Shet Hamidah Chacham Sichah Limud. Is yeah, it's Al Derech Hamashal Noivlus Chachma. Because why does it bring that? You can explain it to a child. That's the mile of a Chacham. It doesn't bring that. It's the same Mahalach. It's the same Mahalach. Is it here that you don't recognize the source? Is that the first point? Because these are the three examples, but you don't recognize that you're seeing the. In other words, you're you're seeing only a little a little trickle, but really, really, because it's so far and so distant, that's where you'll recognize the real Gavoya. That's where you draw a line in the sand between Gavoya and Gavoya Gavoya. Right, of course, yeah. yeah. But all, all these Mishon in the trickle at the end, you don't have more source than Iraq. On the contrary, he says if you light a candle, you may have more than the, than the Avuka. But, the, but that's only if you light a candle right here. But to bring the light into this place from there, to bring that light here, it's not going to be very little. But in the Mishon, I can only get, I can recognize that there's a bigger source later, but it's not saying that I'm here, I have something greater than when you have when you're closer. Yeah, recognize, recognize. It's not saying that further have He says, Vukrikman Arisi Ilui. Vukrikman Arisi. Here further we have more. Right. The Avuka travels all the way. Be a little cynical with the Chakra. Yeah, you could be very cynical. It's fine. The lights, like you're living here, if somebody that you're praising for the the is not a source that of somebody. The, the next person who's maybe not as impressive or not as uh, who's not giving over the the greatness of the sheer or whatever the topic is. If that's <laughs> is that the right understanding of it? Is that you give the example of the candle? If the candle could outshine something that's from a very no, this is a second marshal. First is the marshal of the Khan. Now is a marshal of the Chachem, like the pitcher of water. He's so filled with Chachma, not only in quantity, but in quality. Right. So Sigist and Sigist and Sigist. But are you, okay, but 
but you're not you're not misled by the fact that you're not seeing the, the original sin. Right, yeah, no. Marshall Agimel. essence is like if you would talk to a kid. Also. That too, yeah. You also you'll see the Marshall. Uh, uh, Stam just a very practical example, right? In terms of quantity, not so much quality. Somebody prepares a shear, right? You can hear two people give a shear gemara. If those of you who go to a shear gemara, you can hear it right away. Two people give a shear gemara. One person prepares very, very well. Whatever he prepared, he knows, yeah? But somebody asks a question that, uh, sorry, uh, the gemara says, don't ask him another mesechta, yeah? In other words, what he prepared, he prepared, and that he presents very well. But you have another person, he's so filled with, 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 with wisdom and knowledge, yeah? It's like in the overflow, in the things that he says, oh, I, I just reminded myself, or somebody brought up a side subject, or upset that that's not this. That's not the stuff. Of, that's not the stuff of the. It's like the overflow. It's like the extra water. But that extra water that overflows is a reflection that you're dealing with a person who doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. You know, just another marshal for the sinyan. A lot of mashalim, but that's the nakuda. Marshal agimel. There's a third marshal. This is already a different type of marshal. May hashpas hatipe begashmes. Tipa is the seed of life, the sperm. Which allows there to be birth from one essence to a new essence, a new entity, a person, a, 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 simply a goof, an, an organism from the tip. Somebody who gives spiritual energy will never create a child. A teacher could communicate genius ideas. If the student has a mind that's developed, he'll get it. He could never create a person. From the tipa, from the seed of life, from there you could create a child. It's from the physical seed of life from which a whole new entity can be created, can be born, a complete distinct entity from the first entity, basically a fetus, an embryo, which comes from the, from the seed and the egg of the father and the mother. What's the idea of this marshal? <laughs> on one level, it's a very edel marshal. On one level, you have a teacher. He's sharing his knowledge, his passion, his wisdom, his ideology, his goinus, his ruchnius, his dvekas, his teira, everything. L'chayda, his whole essence is there. Yeah. When you look at a tipper, well, tipa is a very, very physical, physical little drop that comes out from a certain part of the body, sometimes berotzen, sometimes not berotzen. How do you compare it to the depth of, of your passion and your personality and your character and your, your ideas and your ruchnius and your kedusha? But we know the difference. From one, a new child will be created. A child with a goof and a neshama and a mind and a brain and the miracle of a living organism which def- still defies human imagination. From that tipa. 
from the from giving ruchnius for a hundred years, fifty years, you're not creating a child. You're not even creating a student. If the student is somebody who's muksher, he has chushim, he has kishreinus, he's already developed. He can absorb the information. That's what you can do. You can give over information from one place to another place. You don't create a new mohus. You don't create a new character, a new mohus mamish, which only comes from the tipa. So in the mata mata b'yaisa, here's the third marshal. The gavoya gavoya b'yaisa. Where does the deepest core of the self, the etzem hanashama of the parents emerge? It emerges not in words. It doesn't emerge in a flow of energy. It is, in, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's concretized, it's manifested in the tipa hagashmas, in the most physical, physical tipa that captures the deepest core of the soul, of the potential, of the creative ability of the parents to create a completely new child. We're in the flow of spirituality, of ruchnias, that ability doesn't exist. Here again, this is a marshal that he gives for the Gavoya Gavoya B'yoyser. Where does it come out? The Gavoya Gavoya B'yoyser comes out through and in the Mata Mata B'yoyser. Here it adds another. <laughs> you see, here's a new one no idea that you don't have in the other marshal. It says this is the difference. It's brought it's a Machzadik. It says it's between the Shamas and Malachim. Darizal writes based on Zohar, that Malachim come from Zivug Neshikin, and Neshamas come from Zivug Gufni. Zivug Neshikin is a metaphor for a kiss. Zivug Gufni means a physical relationship. What's the idea? The idea is that uh, when a person speaks, they speak beautiful words, inspiring words, you think you have them, but you don't have the essence. You have light, you have oil, and because you don't have the essence, they can't create a new essence. They can reach somebody who's sensitive to this type of information. There's an expression, a student doesn't have a mind for this, you could speak and speak and explain, and you can't do anything with it. The tipa, the seed, the sperm, which is it's the embodiment of physicality, and even though it has to start in the brain, in as the Gemara says, ultimately the way Hashem made it is that it comes out from one of the lowest places in the body. But there, what is captured in that place? What is captured in that tipa? If you put it under a microscope, you have here the miracle of a fetus. You have here a, a, an organism, including a brain, which a teacher could never create. A teacher can't create a brain can't create a mind, it can't create a soul. In the, why? Because in this tipa, which comes out in the most physical way, you have the full essence, the full etzem. And it can't be articulated in words, because words will not be able to capture it. The gavoya gavoya b'yoyser could only be articulated in something that is so distant. And this is a new idea that you don't have in the other mashalom. The avuka travels throughout, it also reaches the furthest place. Here, it's in the tipa precisely where you have captured a dimension of self that can't be captured in, in Ruchnizdik expressions. They simply can't capture it. So therefore, from ideas and words, you can't create a Talmud. You could be mashpia to a Talmud who exists, but the tipa 
has the deepest self of the father and the mother and the creative power, which actually recreates a whole new organism and a whole new muhus, a muhus chadash, completely distinct and separate from them. It becomes a child independent. The, the third marshal is so powerful. Why do you need the other two? Ah, that's what he's going to explain. Third marshal is a serious marshal. So it says, are like God's zivug neshikin. It comes from, from, a, from a spiritual type of intimacy, from a gilialakus. That's why when they sent the malachim down here, they became corrupt. They became more corrupt than anybody. Angels are very good in heaven. The moment they were sent down to earth, they lost it. Neshamas come from Zivaguf. Neshamas are like the tipper. They have the Kayacha Etzim. What's Pshat Kayacha Etzim? They have the Etzim inside of them so they could come down to earth and they still retain their connection. Nothing can change their connection. Why? Because they have the power of the essence. How do you know when you're connected to something in essence? It's not circumstantial. It's not environmental. Wherever you are, it's there. Neshamas have the etzem, the pnimius of a lakus. So therefore they could look much lower than malachim. They could come into a world and live in a guf, but they still can retain their connection. Malachim, you can't do it. You take them out of heaven, you put them down into, into the physical world, they're lost. On a film, it says before the Dara Mabel, the malachim was so corrupt, they were more corrupt than anybody else because they lost it. Because the student could remain in the environment of the teacher, but he doesn't have that same power of the teacher. You can't recreate that person through words. That's the kayach of the neshamas. So it says neshamas are like the tipa versus malachim is like, uh, is like ideas. Why does the Mittler Rebbe bring three parables? Stam, not stam. There has to be a psatoichen in each mashal. The hine inyan mashakola gavoya gavoya beyoser. The general concept of that which is higher comes down lower doesn't begin in our world. It begins by Hashem. In the flow of divine energy, that which is higher will always come down to a much lower place. Which means, whenever you're looking at something that seems very, very low, you have to stop and take a deep breath and say, this must be very, very high. Now, that's not the normal way we look at it. When we say it's very, very low, get me out of here. Yes? That's a very superficial perspective. A deeper perspective is when you see that something is very, very low, you have to stop and say, there has to be something here that is gavoya, gavoya, biyaisa. And that's why it traveled down to such a low place. Now you have to know how to interpret this and what the applications of it means and how you deal with it. But that's the Nekudah. To give a marshal, the Rechaim gives this marshal, I think in Parsha Shmini. In the Merkava, in the chariot of Yecheskel, the lion is higher than the ox. Pnei Arye el Hayamin, Pnei Shor the lion is on the right, the ox is on the left. Left is lower. Down here, the lion, you don't want to start up with. And the bull is one of the karbonas in the Beis Hamikdash, and we eat it for Shabbos, and Yom Tif, it's a domesticated animal, it's a kosher animal, a lion is a trefa animal, and an undomesticated animal. The Merkava, it's the exact opposite. The Arya is much more ruchniistic. And one of the explanations is, kola gavoya gavoya yerid That which is much, much higher, the way it's manifested, it reaches and comes in to a much lower place. 
Let's give an example when it comes to people. Sometimes you look at a child. You have a child who's very obedient, very well behaved. You have a child who's not an ox, he's a lion. <laughs> he's not a domesticated animal. I don't want to say the opposite. And sometimes it doesn't even look kosher, it looks treif. So if you look at it from a superficial perspective, this is extremely low. This is damaging. This is dangerous. This is hazardous. You look even at yourself, the parts of you that are the most hazardous, the parts that are untamed, the parts that are, that are lowly, that are dangerous. And you want to run away very far from them and you want to disassociate, you want to amputate it. Maybe somebody wants to take this child for adoption. The emesis is the exact opposite. That which reaches and comes into a very, very low place is essentially a symptom of you have here extremely lofty energy. Only the highest energy has the ability to be able to travel into such distant places. And therefore, if you can recognize that, you can recognize that here lay a potential that doesn't exist anywhere else. A great, great educator told me once, he said that somebody once came into school with his child, and he said, listen, he's not going to learn much, okay? But <laughs> even if he won't grow, at least he won't be a mazik. You know, he won't break your windows. So he tells me, he told the father, he says, by me the policy is the opposite. <laughs> if he's not a mazik, nothing is going to come of him. <laughs> In other words... <laughs> I want, I'm looking for the rebel. I'm looking for the, for the rebellious one. I'm looking for the, for the, for the, for the untamed one. Yes, it's a much greater challenge, but that means that you're dealing with gavoya, gavoya, beyoyser. That means you're dealing with very, very lofty energy. That means you're dealing with, with very sublime energy. It's also true in people's own psychological life. When something is irritating you and driving you crazy, right? probably there are deep truths there that you're going to discover about yourself that you will not discover in other things. The fact that this comes down sometimes lamata mata in a very challenging expression or manifestation, it's just irritating. This relationship is irritating, it's aggravating, it's causing you sleepless nights and migraine headaches. This is basically the low point of your life. That's true. On the other hand, very often that carries within itself very, very deep, unrealized potentials, very, very deep sources that sometimes can only be expressed that way. And you have to be able to look at it that way because if you can do that, then from the lowest, you'll be able to discover something that you would never be able to discover from a place that's not so low. So there's a lot of ramifications of this in a person's life, especially when it comes to yourself and relationships and children and students and so forth. But generally it all begins from Hashem, that the Gavoya travels down to the Namukh. The divine energy of Atzillus goes into Bria and Yitzira and Asiya, which is the general, three, the general three worlds where the energy flows like the light travels from Gavoya to Namukh, from higher to lower. That's a good question. How does this apply to Shalosh Lippus Atmeus and to anti Semites, right? Uh, not talking about Islam and anti Semites. 
Stamina and Tzermin is not good for you, no? You want the real ones. You want the real ones. Yeah, does this mean that we should go into the 30th, lowest Kretschmer and mm-hmm. live with the lowest people? And mm-hmm. Many of us don't have to go there. We're there already. If you're not there, you don't have to go there. <laughs> but many of us are there already. <laughs> the number starts with inside. It's not... Uh, There's before the bitter and after the bitter. Before the bitter, you can't turn a lion into a kosher animal today. <laughs> you can't turn a lion into a kosher animal. You have to know. It says, Asit chazer letahir, right? The chazer is going to become a kosher animal. Today it's not a kosher animal. You have Esav before the bitter and after the bitter. Esav before the bitter is very, very low. But the reason Esav fell so low is because he was really very high. The Alter Rebbe explains in Torah, told us, why did Yitzchak want to give the brachas to Esav? Because the roots of Ace of Soul was higher than Yaakov. It's called Olam Hatoyu, the world of chaos, which is higher than the world of Tikkun. But because Ace of doesn't have the Kalim, the vessels for such an Oyer, he actually, the Oyer had a breakdown. It's like a breakdown. Meaning the voltage, the electricity was so powerful, there were no vessels for it. And it got completely transformed. And the way it comes out here is in a completely different format. So you have to be careful. So Yitzchak wants to bless him and bring him back to his source. But he fell too low. He became like an addict. I once heard from Dr. Tversky, Rabbi Dr. Abraham Tversky. I was with him in Boca Raton in Florida for a, a weekend of recovery. So uh, Boca Raton has a lot of centers of recovery. So I heard from him. I asked him at the Friday night meal, we were sitting together. Tell me the most important thing you learned over 60 years of dealing with addicts. I would like to know. I don't know that you could sum up 60 years of therapy work, but I would like to hear something. So he told me a few very valuable uh, teachings, lessons. One of the things he told me is that I've learned over 60 years that addicts are the most sensitive among us. They're the most spiritual and sensitive among us. So I said, what do you mean, Dr. Tversky? So he said... This is how it works. He said, when people are not so spiritual and sensitive, they can gloss over their pain. They can dismiss their pain. You know, they go to a Kiddush, they go to a Bar Mitzvah, they have some sushi, you know, they watch something on WhatsApp, and Megate Vaita, tomorrow's another day. He says, the more sensitive and spiritual you are, the more honesty you need, the more wholesomeness you need the more healing you need, the more connected you have to be. And the more you feel dysfunction, the more you break down from disintegration, the more you're allergic to hypocrisy, to, to, to illness, to sickness, to lies, and it, it destroys you. And you have to go numb it. And the more sensitive you are, the deeper the numbing has to be. Because the pain is so much more acute. If I'm a, if I'm a sensitive person, I, it goes deep, it, it penetrates deeply. So I have to, I have to do all my maizim toivim much more and tomorrow I have to up it and next year I have to up it more and more and more. Not because I'm a junkie but because I'm so spiritually connected and I never realized it. I don't know how to realize it. So where is my spirituality expressed? Where is it? It's expressed in, in, in the worst of the worst. That's a very sensitive idea. So you're looking at somebody and what you're seeing is mata mata. You're seeing the lowest of the low. And what is it expressing? 
The reason they fell so low is, you know why? Because they jumped from so high. They were so high. When somebody falls off the second story, it's not so dangerous. They may break a limb or two. But when somebody falls off a hundred stories, and never mind if you're Neshama Zechelek Elekamimal, so you fall down from Atzillus, especially if you fall in the wrong place. Right? So he says all these addicts, they fell from very, very high. But where do you see it? When they were, when they were 13 or 16 or 18, they didn't see the Gavoya Gavoya. All they felt was the pain. So where does it get recognized? It gets recognized in the lowest of the low. But what is it really? It's really a manifestation of Gavoya Gavoya. Now this doesn't mean give them money so they can go into recovery. You know why? Because if you give them money, you know what they're doing, right? They can't recognize it. You can recognize it. They need help. So you're asking a great question. Esav, before the Birr and after the Birr is two different Esavs. Same is true with anti-Semitism. The same is true with all dysfunction in our world. It's a hard concept to understand. But it says in Zohar that Paroi comes from the word Priya. All the lights are opened in him. The Gemara says, Haman mina teira minayin. And I am Isa. Haman is in teira also. The answer is, if there's a Haman in the world, there has to be something in teira. The Gemara says in Chulin, Kuftas, Kolmad Asalon Rachmana Sharalon Kavase. Whatever the teira asers has also something that is permissible, that's similar. Why? So one of the reasons is because the Isser ultimately has to come from Gdusha. The Gemara says in Erev and Afyud Gimel that. Uh, that uh, Reb Meir said that uh, somebody who cannot be metahir a sheretz, bekuf non taimim, you have to be able to be metahir a, a, a dead rodent from the eight insects, the eight shrotzim, with 150, he says, ani yochel tire, I could be metahir a sheretz bekuf. What's the yichus? That you could take a sheretz and, and give 150 reasons to be a metahir? The answer is yes, because you have to be able to identify the source in Kedusha. The whole... Peace and shame is Shmuel on this. But it's all this, it's all, it's all similar concepts. But it all begins with the flow from Elikus, from godliness, from Atsilas to Briyitsirasi. So the main, he says like this. Vihine, say that I'm Shachabalam is Bia, who Baha'ir, who Baha'if in the Ermayim or Rakia commission on his Baha'i Baruch, Bamam the Chedish Tishna. The way the flow of energy goes in all the worlds is a system called Amar. Omar is Oir Mayim Rakia. How does creation begin? What's the first thing? God says, let there be light. What's the next thing? From Oir you have Mayim, and then you have Rakia. You hear Rakia Mayim. Every flow of energy goes through three stages. Light, water, and Rakia. Firmament. What does this mean? What does this mean? The Kitsa Nimritz it's, it says in Zoyer, and it's explained in Chsidus and in Kabbalah at length. It always begins with Oyer. It then concludes, it continues with Maim and ends up with Rakia. Oyer is light. Light is a very intangible item. We can't even point our fingers and identify what light is. And the reason is because the definition of light is that it has no definition. The definition of light is, I'm here to reflect the truth. I'm here to show the truth. Light is the most egoless Talking about yesh, the light is the opposite of yesh. Light is the most egoless creature. All light says is, this, this room is light. 
we don't feel light. There's a table, there's a video, there's a person, there's a mic, there's water, and there's light. The light is here, it serves the room. It's here for you to be able to see what's going on. In other words, the message of light here is, I'm here to illuminate everything else. I'm here to serve. Light essentially reflects the source. It's the most intangible, undefined level of existence. That's why the speed of light is insane. That's why we're not sure if light is a particle or a wave. It doesn't assume the substance of yesh. The next stage is mayim. Mayim is already a substantial thing. Water is water, but it flows. It doesn't have a fixed shape. It's not frozen. In fact, it assumes the shape of the vessel you'll place it in. You'll put it into one type of plate, it'll assume that shape, another bowl, that shape, a barrel, a pitcher, a cup. It'll even assume the color. You'll have a red glass or a green glass or a blue glass and the water will seem green or right or red or blue. And then you have rakia. The puzzle says rakia keina kerech is like ice when it gets frozen and now it has a fixed, a fixed reality. Nothing in the world emerges without these three stages. Oir is the most intangible state, where it's essentially not yet assuming an identity that can be grasped. Mayim, it has an identity, but it can't, it's not fixed. And Rakia is, it gets fixed. Once it's in a stage of Rakia, it's rigid. If you can go back to a place of Mayim, it's not rigid. A place of Oir, you can actually see the source of it, where it comes from. So for example... We spoke about a tipa. We spoke about a tipa, a child. You have the oir, the mayim, and the rakia. The oir is the energy within the mind, within the core of the parents. The mayim is the flow. It's called mayim duchrin, the liquid, the actual liquid. That's the mayim. And then the rakia is, it develops into a real fetus. It's three stages. Oir, mayim, rakia. Ideas also. You have the idea, the way it's in Koyach HaMaskel. When you have a new idea, where did it come from? It came from your unconscious mind. It's called Koyach HaMaskel. Over there it's Ur. Then Mayim, and then Rakia. Mayim is there's a flow, but it's not tangible yet. You have an epiphany, you have an experience. It's called Chachma. And then you have Bina, where it assumes a rigid, fixed identity. This is the idea. Ur, Mayim, Rakia. This is Omar. Three stages. And the whole flow from higher to lower, you have to be able to see through these stages. Er, Mayim, and then Rakia. So he says, That's why the middle of Rebbe gave three Mashalim. The first metaphor is the fire is light. Mashal HaChav is the pitcher. It's not Stampus, he needed another metaphor. It's Mayim, is water. It becomes mamish a, a new physical reality. The Mishnah says in Mikvoyis, means water that has uh, congealed, ice. It doesn't have a definition of mayim shuvin anymore. And according to many opinions, mylin, you could cash a mikvah with it, and it's not going to passel a mikvah if it falls into a mikvah less than 40 saw. And I know that you could make. A mikveh, according to many opinions, you could make with this a mikveh. I, it's shuvim. If you would have the same water before it became ice, you can't make a mikveh with it. And it would pass all the mikveh, if it's not memsaw. The answer is, this is a completely new reality. So that's why there's three mashalim. Because in the flow from divine energy, you have light, 
and over there it's also Then you have water, and then you have rakia, and that's the third marshal. We explained the Maimadam of Tishrei. These three states are not only in the lowest worlds, but they exist everywhere. They exist in Atzilis and in Kesar and beyond, and even before the Tzimtzum. So these three metaphors apply to every single world. In any stage of consciousness you're dealing with, the highest will come out in the lowest. Where will you see the highest? You will identify the highest. It comes out in the lowest. If you want to see the real, real impact, the highest, you have to go to the lowest place. And that's where you'll see the Gavoya Gavoya Biyaisa. That's where you're going to see it. And and as we see in the Marshall, it's not also. Sometimes it's precisely there, not anywhere else. Uh <laughs> When you, uh, if you ever watched them launching a missile, right? Launching a missile. When the missile is launched and it rises, it creates a little. Uh, no, over there, what does it do? Uh, smoke, uh, a rumble. Uh, you feel like, ah, uh, what's there was a word for it? Uh, it generates a. Uh, what's the word? Rumble, like, uh, huh? A vibration. It's, uh... So you could see if something, something powerful was launched. It doesn't just go off in peace. But that's not where you see its power. <laughs> where do you see its power? Where do you see its impact? Where it hits, where it lands, where it reaches. This is its source. This is the launching pad. This is where it comes from. This is not where you're going to see its power. You'll see. You'll see part of its impact. But where it lands, ooh, that's where you're going to see its impact. Ah, you'll say, that's so far away. Who knows how many miles away? This is where, this is where it comes from. This is where it was created. This is where it was molded. This is where it was developed. This is where you gave birth to it. You're not going to see it here. You're going to see it over there. The spaceship, <laughs> it launches. There's a fire, celebrity, freilich. But uh, hopefully it doesn't happen. Chas v'sholem, it should happen. Where it lands, hopefully it doesn't land, it just hangs out in space and comes back. You see often the impact. The same is true also in the Nimshal. Sometimes you see a lot of great people. G'dayli Yisrael. It's great, great, tremendous great people. Where do you see the greatest of the great? Where do you see the greatest of the great? In the furthest reach. You come to that place where it's launched, You'll see beautiful things. But when you go far, far away, to the furthest distances, where nothing should reach, over there you see. Over there you see the distinction between Gavoya and Gavoya, Gavoya. And if you want to understand it, you have to go there. If you hang around the missile, 
<laughs> the launching pad, you'll see very little. If you want to appreciate the real Gavoya, it's only in the Matamat. That's where you're going to see its power, its full depth, its truthfulness. It's truthfulness. Sometimes an idea. When the idea comes out, you're pro it, you're not pro it. But you see 500 years later, that's where you see it. It's so far, it should have been gone, it should have been obsolete. 50 years later, 100 years later, just like you have it in space, you have it in time. Where the missile lands, that's where you see it. That's where, that's where you see it. But this is, you have to, this is a sense, sensitivity. Because naturally you want to hang out around the Gavoya. That's not where you're going to see it. Who wants to go to the Namuch? I want to stay close to the source. That's not where the source is. That's where the source is actually concealed. <laughs> where does this, where does the, the, that's where the chitsonius of the source is. Where is the etzim of the source? In the furthest place. That's where the etzim comes out. In the furthest, furthest place. But over there, there's no drama. There's no fanfare because it's very, very far away. But that's where you see everything. That's where you see the etzim. That's where you see the pnimius. Is the answer to the shadow? Yeah. So, so you want to know what the answer is? That's, in other words, Ruchnius has Yesha Miti just like Gashmius. It's not like in Ruchnius there's no Yesha Miti. That's, of course, we have to understand. It's not like the Guf, that's where God is. The Neshama, he's not. It's, it's just like the light travels throughout. Around the light, you also have the light. <laughs> it's not like the light is born only, uh, only far away, right? It's like the water. The water is also in the picture. <laughs> it's not only outside of the picture. The Chachma of the Chachim is not only in his noivelis and that which in, in his Sichas Chulin and his jokes. <laughs> there also you'll see it because it's, it's real, it's real. But it's of course, it's of course in the Chachma. The Tipa, over here it's, a, it's, it's, it's even stronger. It's recognized here. If you'll identify it in different places that are closer to the core of the parents, you won't identify that strength, that atzmius. If you'll, as we know, enkishel, the tipa comes from thoughts. If you'll capture the thoughts, you have it, but you don't see it. In the tipa, which is the most distant, and it even leaves the body of the father, that's where the new mohus is born. And it has to go into b'chal to another guf. It can't even stay there. It has to go to a distance and has to stay nine months and develop and then go through a whole process. And then you'll see it. Then you'll see it. And then the child grows up and the child is an adult and you take a look at this adult and it's all that reality. So what do we see from here? The yeshamiti is everywhere. The yeshamiti is everywhere. But everywhere else you can get distracted by different aspects. Where does the Gavoya Gavoya B'yoyser come out? Where is it unmistakably recognizable? 
Where does that truth emerge? Only in one place. Only in the Lamata Mata So we're not saying that in Ruchnias it's not there. Of course it's there in Ruchnias. But where does one see it? Where does it, where does it have, where do you see its impact? And therefore, where does it get manifested only in the Namach Namach B'yoser? That's how he's answering it. Yeah. Now this needs a lot of explanation. What was the question? What was the first question? What was the first answer? <laughs> what was the question on that? What is the answer now? Why are we so interested in the three Mashalim and the difference? And what is really the explanation ultimately in all of this? So, <laughs> this, uh, this we're going to leave for the next year. Be'ezer Hashem, next year, Basi Lagani, Tovshin Yotes number three. Be'ezer Hashem, Blineta, we're going to address all this. Have a wonderful evening. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.